Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, AJ Vaden here, and I am genuinely so happy and I'm so excited to have the amazing Brittany Hodak on the show today. She's a personal friend, but she's also someone that we go to for customer experience training and advice. So we've got some shared personal and professional lives, which I'm so happy to merge those together for everyone on the show today. And let me just give you a little bit of background. But before I do that, I want to tell you why you need to stay tuned for this entire episode. Is like there are two things that propelled me to coerce Brittany <laughs> to come onto the show today. And the first one is the fundamental belief that every single person in your company is in charge of customer experience, whether that is service or sales or marketing. It's like anyone who touches your customers, which should be anyone and everyone at some point. They are in charge of experience, which means this is an important conversation to be had for every single person, no matter what your job is, what your role is, what your company is, what industry you're in. If you sell things to people, this is an episode that you need to listen to. So stay tuned for that. The second thing is this uh, merging trend of how we're seeing the marketing department merge with customer service and experience. And this is happening in huge companies all across the world. And we want to talk about why, like what is the impact on customer service and customer experience on sales and hyper-specifically on marketing. So stay tuned for that. So now let me give you just a little bit of a highlight of the awe-inspiring, if I can talk today, of Brittany Hodak. So Brittany is an award-winning entrepreneur and speaker who has delivered keynotes across the world to organizations, including American Express, and the United Nations, right? Like what? That's amazing. She's also published more than 350 articles for different media outlets, including Forbes, Adweek, Success Magazine. She's been on NBC, CBS, CNN, CBC. I mean, the list goes on and on. She also is the author of an upcoming book that we're going to get a little bit of sneak peek insider perspective on that's going to come out in about a year from now. But, you know, she literally has done fan engagement for some of the biggest brands in the world, including Disney, Amazon, Walmart, and then my favorite, Dolly Parton. <laughs> so you kind of had me at Dolly Parton. So I could go on and on talking about your accolades and your awesomeness, both professionally and personally. But at this point, we'll actually start the conversation. So Brittany, welcome to the show. Yay. Thank you so much, AJ. That was so kind. I am thrilled to be here. For the record, it was very easy for you to coerce me to come on the show because I am a longtime listener. And when you asked me, I was like, uh, yeah, that sounds fun. We should do it. So thank you for having me. I'm excited to you know, take some of the conversations that we usually have without a microphone and have them in front of a microphone. Yeah, I am honestly, I'm so excited. And for everyone listening, I actually asked Brittany to come and help us at Brand Builders Group. And she and I had a, a multi-hour session just a couple of weeks ago talking about customer service and experience. It was one of the things that was like, oh my gosh, 
these are the things that every single person on the planet needs to hear. And so let's just start a little bit of how did you get to where you are? Like, how did you merge from like being where you were to this real true expert, but not just an expert, it's something you're truly passionate about. And it literally does just bubble out of you that way around customer experience and service. So like, how did you get into this? Like, where did this all start? Well, you know, I think a lot of it started during my childhood because my dad was the most passionate customer service proponent of anyone I ever met. And he, when I was really young, he managed a restaurant and I used to love to go and sit in the restaurant and just see the way everybody who came in knew him. And he was so happy to talk to people and he didn't mind being up front or in the back, like all of his employees loved him and the customers loved him. And, you know, he would tell me stories about like some of the crazy things that would happen. And then when I was older, he was in charge of customer service at a car dealership. And I thought everything was so fascinating the way, you know, he would talk to me about like the referral things that they were doing and retention plays and all of these things. And like simultaneously, because he cared so much about customer experience and customer service, anytime he was like wronged by any store, we were like forbidden to ever go there again, which I remember as a kid was like so frustrating. There was this one time in the summer, I was probably like six or seven and he he was mowing the yard and the lawnmower broke. And he was like, I'm going to go get a new lawnmower. And, you know, we grew up in a small town. There weren't a lot of places, but he went to the mall and tried to buy a lawnmower at Sears. And they were like, well, we don't have any, like, you'll have to come back in a week. And he was like, but I see it right there on the floor. And they were like, oh, but we can't sell you that one because it's assembled. And he was like, right, but you have an assembly charge. So like, why can't I have this lawnmower today? And then you can just like make another one when you get the other ones in. And they were like, yeah, sorry, we can't do that. And so my dad got so mad. Like when we left, he was like, we're never shopping at Sears again. He's like, I'm not even going to take my craftsman tools back when they break. And I was like, what do you mean? We're not going to shop at Sears. Like, where am I going to get like clothes? Like, what do you mean? But he, you know, there were probably like seven or eight brands over the years that were on like the do not buy, do not support list, either like retail or DTC stuff. So anyway, he was so passionate about this idea of putting the customer at the center of everything you do and making sure that everyone on your team knows that the only reason you're there is because of the customer. So every decision you make should be in the service of customers. And, you know, I think I sort of like absorbed all of that without even realizing it. I always wanted to work in entertainment. I worked in the music and entertainment industry for like the first 15 years of my career. And as I started doing more and more brand stuff, I realized that there's this huge intersection of those two worlds and that the same things that make people love an artist or an entertainer are the things that make people loyal to a brand or a retailer. And, you know, it's all about building that affinity and getting to that point where people want to be advocates. And that's where I really had this aha moment of if I can bring some of these principles I understand from entertainment into the customer experience world to make people realize that customer experience can be fun and sexy and cool, then, you know, that will serve a lot of people. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I, so I am curious. So, and maybe this is a little bit of what's going to be coming in your upcoming book, creating super fans, which is coming out a year from now, roughly give or take a little bit. But, and so I'm curious, like in your opinion, what makes people fall in love with entertainers? 
I am so glad you asked this question. So I always say super fans are created at the intersection of your story and every customer's story. And so I'll never forget the first time I met Taylor Swift. She was like 16 or 17. I was like in my early 20s. I was working at a record company and I'd flown to Nashville where I live now, but at the time I lived in New York, I flew to Nashville for an award show. And it was the very first award she ever got. And she was actually at the show with an artist who I knew because I'd worked at his label in college. So we were all at this after party together. And I was just, you know, talking to her about like the marketing that she was doing because at the time she was really innovative with MySpace in particular, but like social media in general. And so I was talking to her about, you know, all these things that she was doing, which of course came very natural to her because she was a teenager. And she said something to me that hit me like a lightning bolt. And I thought it was like the most brilliant summation of the business side of the music business that I've ever heard an artist articulate. And she said, my dream is to sell a million records. And I know that if I'm going to sell a million records, I have to make a million people care enough about me to want to buy my music. Mm, And so she was spending her time like paying it forward, like showing her fans that she cared about them even before in some instances they were like showing that they cared about her. And I remember like turning to my friend who I brought to the party with me. And I, you know, after like we were talking, I was like, that girl is going to be a superstar. Like she is going to be one of the biggest artists on the planet if she keeps this mentality and keeps this attitude. And I think one of the biggest common denominators that you see between the artists who, you know, sort of come in fast and hot and then fizzle out. And the ones that have that longevity are the ones who really take the time to invest, invest in their fans. Like the ones who have that fan centric attitude. And the same is true of brands. Like the brands that are most customer centric are the ones who stand the test of time because people aren't constantly looking for the next thing. Oh my gosh. That's so good. And I love that. It's like, I know I'll sell a million records once I know that there's a million people out there who care enough about me to support me. And it's like, that is so true of business and of companies and of business brands. And so, and I would say it's like, It's not that companies don't know that. They just don't know how to do it. Or maybe they even know how to do it. They just can't seem to execute it. So I have two questions on this. One, how do companies do this, right? Like give us like a couple of insider tips on how do we become the type of company that really is customer centric and customer focused while also battling the realities of trying to turn a profit and pay our employees and all the necessary things that have to happen So that's my first question. And then the second one I want you to be noodling around is like, what's the company to be watching who just does this exceptionally well that maybe we don't know about? So those are my two things. So let's start there. Okay, awesome. I love it. So, you know, one tip is to really be honest with yourself about where you're at right now. Because if you ask 100 CEOs, are you customer centric? You know, 99 of them are going to say yes, and the other one wasn't listening. But if you ask customers of those same 100 companies or employees of those same 100 companies, you're going to, you know, get wildly different results. So the first thing is to really understand what being customer centric means. And it means putting the needs of your customers first. And there will be conflict, there will be times where 
you have to make a decision between, am I putting profit first or am I putting the customer first? And those are the moments, those moments where you're being tested, where you have to have the resolve to say, we are doing what's right for this customer. We are going to make things right for this customer. And if you can do that, if you can model that for all of your employees to follow, not only is your customer experience going to improve, but your employee experience is going to improve. You're going to see the improved loyalty and advocacy on both sides, inside the company and outside the company. But the thing where, again, a lot of people like don't want to hear this message at the top of the company, but in the middle of the company, people are like shouting this from the rooftops. It has to start at the top. Mm-hmm. And to your point at the beginning of the show, one piece of advice that I have is don't try to have your chief customer officer or your chief experience officer operating in a silo. They need to have as much of a voice as anyone at the company across every single department. Actually, a client of mine, like five or six weeks ago, was talking to me. And this was somebody I'd worked with for keynotes before and and working with them on a consulting project now. And they're adding the title of chief customer officer for the first time, which is great. Like it's a wonderful step forward for this company. They've got like 50,000 employees across the world. And the CEO said to me, you know, I really can't handle another direct report. I think I'm going to have the CCO report to the chief revenue officer. Do you think that's a good idea? And I said, yeah, it's a great idea. If you want to send a literal message to your customers and employees, that customers are less important than revenue, Mm. because that's what you do when you have a CCO who reports to the CRO. Whoever at your company is going to be the flag bearer and the champion for your customers has to have a seat at every table in every conversation because their insights are going to inform not just sales, not just marketing, not just customer service, not just product design, all of it, everything from start to finish. Because if you don't make those decisions with your customers in mind, you're going to pay the price long-term. You're either going to lose the customer's trust, you're going to lose their business completely, or what I think is like one of the most underrated threats to every business that nobody really talks about is apathy. Like people are just going to not care. They're either not going to care in the first place or they're going to stop caring if you aren't putting the needs of every single customer at the forefront of every decision that you make. Oh, solid. That's really such a great reminder that you told me the exact same thing. You're like, whoever is going to lead customer experience, customer care, they have to report to you. It's like, it's got to be that level of importance. And so I'm curious when it comes to this topic of, customer centric? Like, are there a few things, one thing, two things, three things that people could do to go, Hey, I know I'm being customer centric if we're doing this. Yeah. So one real thing that you can do is, you know, I was was having a conversation with somebody earlier today and we were talking about how so many companies try so hard, especially like as they grow and grow to come up with a policy for everything Mm -hmm. so that when people start the onboarding and training and enablement process is almost about stripping them of everything they've brought into the job rather than amplifying those unique talents that you hired them for. So instead of saying, I trust you, here's generally like, here are our core values. Here are our guiding principles. Here are our customer promise. 
And here are some general things to help you with, you know, frequently asked questions or frequent concerns. But instead, companies, especially with their customer service and customer support teams, are scripting everything out, saying, do exactly this, do exactly that, do exactly that. They're giving these, you know, 100-page manuals of policies to employees saying like only say this in an email or make sure you follow the script exactly on a phone call. And then they're wondering why not only are customers not happy, but employees aren't happy and they're, you know, leaving their jobs at rates we haven't seen in almost a hundred years. And I think a lot of it is because when you don't equip every individual employee with the power to make something right, the way they see fit in that instance within a certain larger set of parameters, you're basically asking your people to be robots. And so one of the like interesting things about customer experience is like you will never have better customer experience externally than your employee experience internally. Like an unhappy employee is never, ever going to show up in a good way for a customer. And so again, this all has to be modeled from the top. And that's why it's so important not just to hire for customer centricity, to make sure that everybody on your team, regardless of the position they're in, actually does care about customers and, and making their lives better, but to not train that out of people because you're so worried about having them fit the perfect mold of you know a BDR on your team. Oh, that's good. And it's like, and I think that's the tendency because I think as a business owner, we're typically, it's like, well, it's like, is this how I would do it? Or, you know, so that's why I think so many people, you know, it's like, I come from a very corporate consulting background. I was like, I was paid for a living to like build scripts and like, make sure they follow these processes and these procedures. And this is what you say on a sales call and da, 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 da. And it's like, kind of like coming back of like, no, you need a, a set of parameters, these larger guidelines, but goodness gracious, don't strip the humanity out of people. Just teach your people how to love people and how to have good conversations and then know what's acceptable and what's not. Exactly. A hundred percent. And if you study some of the most innovative companies, that's exactly what they tell their people. They say, this is the promise that we're going to uphold to our customers. Your job is to make sure that we live up to that. And then, you know, of course you have to give them parameters. Of, of course you have to say, you know, use your best judgment within these guidelines. But when you don't allow people to solve problems as they see fit, it doesn't feel like a personal solution to the customer. It just feels like, you know, I'm another PO or another order and you like, you know, rubber stamped the same solution that you do to everybody else versus where there are those opportunities for a customer to forge like a true connection with your company because of something that that employee did. Yeah. And it, again, it comes back to human connection, human relationship, right? It's like saying back to this Taylor Swift thing. It's like, I have to get people to care enough about me. Right. And it's like, yeah. we got to do the same for our customers. So, okay. So before I get to this like model company example that I'm so curious to hear who you think it is, I want to also talk about this like concept is like, how we create this experience and how we prevent it from being siloed, right? So what are some tips around making sure that customer experience doesn't get siloed into just a customer service department, but it's like, there's huge trends and it's like, like one of our very close friends just merged with a huge company that's basically saying, no, marketing and customer experience are now the same. 
And there's this trend of merging customer experience and customer service in within marketing. And I'm going, well, that's breaking down some serious barriers and silos of going, no, they're synonymous to us. And so how do you do that? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And I think a lot of that is, of course, the evolution of the fact that traditional marketing going back like pre-social media and perhaps even pre-internet was all about intent. So it's like the marketing department, you know, existed to create leads for the sales department and then maybe do like trade shows and stuff that were sort of like that, you know, bottom of funnel activity. And I think as social media really exploded and businesses were like, we don't know what to do with this. Like, who, who do we give it to? What do we do? Uh, marketing, they can handle it, right? They're the ones who work with people to make like logos and stuff. Yeah, yeah, do our social media pages. And so what you've seen is kind of this just like attrition of like marketing gets a little more, gets a little more, gets a little more, but you're right. Like experience, now the customer experience, I feel like is having like a real moment right now. Like people are writing books about it, including yours truly creating super fans in stores January, 2023. But you know, it's like people are talking about it on podcasts. And I think that a lot of C-suite executives are sort of just like changing their title from chief marketing officer to chief experience officer or chief marketing and experience officer. But it's got to go beyond the marketing department and even like the marketing and the customer service department. Because as I said, like everyone in your company is part of the experience department, whether they know it or not. And if you don't have clear guidelines to teach them what the model is, you're going to, it's going to be like, you know, some people are great and some people are terrible because it's going to be just the variance from person to person. And so you've really got to remember that. I like to say that experience is everything, meaning CX is, you know, the biggest factor for brand loyalty. More than two thirds of brand loyalty is driven by CX, which is more than price and product combined. So experience is everything in this economy that we're living in right now. But the inverse of that is true as well. Everything is experience, every touch point, every message. And some of those are going to be controlled by marketing and some aren't. Somebody said to me a couple of months ago, you know, you never see a skinny person running on a treadmill. It's only fat people. People who are in shape always run outside. You know who said that to me? The guy delivering my new treadmill. (laughs) And I was like, I kind of like didn't say anything because, you know, I wasn't like expecting the guy who had just like lugged this treadmill upstairs to have that hot take. And I like, I don't know what kind of response he was waiting for, but I was just kind of trying to decide if he was, you know, maybe kidding or not. And he goes, Oh, I bet you got a big husband. Is your husband fat? That's awesome. (laughs) And then he went on to tell me like how you never see somebody who's in shape running on a treadmill and he runs outside 30 miles every single week. And like, that's the only way to run and the best way to run. And I was like, as he's delivering a treadmill. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, so do you work for Nordic track or are you like a third party delivery? And he goes, no, no, no. I work at the company. I've been there a few years. I could get a treadmill for so cheap. I don't even want one. Oh, so, wow. got a real advocate, real advocate. Right? What are you doing? Yeah. So every single person at your company is part of the wow. experience department and every decision needs to be approached with that customer in mind. 
Another like totally crazy story. So I switched vets about a year ago after going to the same vet for more than four years for my dogs. And the reason I switched vets is because the message on the answering service changed. So like you can't book appointments online, you have to call and you never get a receptionist. It's like, you know, a phone tree. So I swear, this is the message. Thank you for calling the name of the place for hours and location. Press one to get a refill press two for cremation and euthanasia, press three, press four to schedule an appointment. And then it was like press zero for the receptionist. And the first time I heard that, like I hung up because I was like, that had to be wrong. And I called back again and I was like, nope, they're asking me to press three for cremation and euthanasia before I even get the opportunity to like schedule an appointment or talk to the receptionist. And I was like, I need a new vet. Like, well, because I had so many questions as a customer, right? I was like, how many pets are they having euthanized that they like put that so high up in their priority list? Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand. And then, you know, and I mentioned it to my husband and he was like, do you think maybe you're overreacting? Like, you know, maybe it's like not that big video. It is a little weird. Like maybe just say something to them. And I was like, you know, I don't want to say anything because the vet either a like signed off on this, which tells me that there's some judgment issues or B wasn't a part of this and has no idea that like this is happening, which is also scary, right? Like both of those are bad. And I'm entrusting the care of my pets who can't talk to me, to somebody. I want to make sure that it's the right person because, you know, as the saying goes, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And so I switched vets just because of that. Cause I was like, well, there's like a serious, either lack of judgment or, you know, like mismanagement of priorities going on here. So everything is experienced. And that's why, whether it's like the former head of marketing or somebody else, you need to make sure that you've got visibility and influence across every part of the company, because only when all of those come into alignment, can you truly shine and truly showcase your uniqueness as a company. Yeah, I love that. And it's like, you know, and it's interesting is like so many of the people listening are, you know, building personal brands and they maybe are a part of an organization or they're running their own organization. And so as we as we kind of relate this to a personal brand, right? So you're a speaker, author, consultant. For anyone who's out there who maybe doesn't have a team of people, and they're like, okay, well, I don't have departments or teams to do this. Like, how do you, so as a, you know, entrepreneur, speaker, author, consultant, like how do you do this for yourself as a personal brand without a team? That is a great question. I think the first way is to approach it as if you did have a team because the concepts are the same, whether you're one person or a thousand people. I had somebody, a very nice man named Perry who came to fix my sink last week. My sink was leaking. I couldn't figure out what was wrong. I called the insurance, like the home company. And they're like, okay, we'll send somebody. And so this guy, Perry came out, he fixed my sink. It was Friday afternoon. My four-year-old was like yelling, trying to get his attention to show him some Star Wars toy. The dog was barking. The baby woke up from his nap because the dog was barking. And he was like crying upstairs. You know, I was like apologizing for all of this chaos. 
And he's like, no, 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 it's totally fine. And then, so he like finished with the sink and he stood up and he points up on top of him. And like, this is so embarrassing. He like points above his head and he's like, what am I looking at here? And I was like a dirty light fixture. And he's like, yeah, like what's going on with this light fixture? And I was like, I don't know. It's just like, you know, I always have little helpers and it hasn't been a priority. And the reality is like, we have a tall ceiling and it's like an expensive, like big glass light fixture. That's like a two person job for like, for me and my husband, right? Like somebody has to like hold the ladder and then like you pass the thing down. So you're not like climbing down the ladder with the whatever. And he's like, give me a ladder. I'm going to clean this for you. And I was like, absolutely not. Like you came to fix my sink. Like you do not need to do this. And he was like, my mom always taught me that if I can make something better, I'm not allowed to leave it the way that I found it. Go get me a ladder or I'm going to go in your garage and look for myself. And I was like, oh my gosh. So he proceeded to not just like climb a ladder, take down this gross light fixture that for some reason is like where every moth in America goes to die. He like dumped out the dead bugs, used the dishwashing soap to like clean it out dry it, got it sparkling clean, showed it to me saying like, how does this look? And I was like, uh, amazing, brand new, climb back up the ladder, like reconnected all the pieces. And as I'm like thanking him profusely, he's like, it's nothing. This is what I do. Like I'm here for you. So who do you think I'm going to call the next yeah. time I have a plumbing issue? Right. Am I going to go through the home warranty company and like take whoever they give me? No, of course not. I'm going to call Perry and say, Perry, I need your help. Come over. And as a solopreneur, the same rules apply. The biggest threat to your business is apathy. A lot of times I work with small business owners and they say, I've got this huge awareness problem. Not enough people know who I am or what I do. And in reality, when I dig in, it's like plenty of people know you don't have an awareness problem. You have an apathy problem. Plenty of people know they just don't care because you haven't given them a reason to. You haven't found a way to connect your story to theirs in a way that makes them not see you as a commodity provider, but view you as a category of one to be like, you know what? I found it. Cause you know what? Like the truth is like a lot of people are lazy. Like once you get a solution, like I'm not ever going to look for another Perry. I don't need to. I found my Perry. Right. So what the easiest thing until now has been to just call the home warranty company or like get out my phone and Google whatever I need and pick the first person with good reviews. But then once you have a person, like you don't ever have to look for a person again. So for solopreneurs to approach it by saying, what special or unique gifts do I have? What can I do to connect my story to a customer story in a way that makes them like not even be able to dream of ever replacing me? Because they know that even if they can find somebody else to fix a sink, they're not going to find somebody who gives your home the love and attention that you do. Oh, so good. And it's such a great reminder. Like this isn't just customer experience advice. This is business advice, right? This is like, this should just like bleed through in the business. And so, okay, I have one more question for you. And I promise I'm paying attention to the clock because I'm sensitive to everyone's time, your times and everyone who is listening. It's for those of us who do have teams, right? So maybe it's one team member, maybe it's a hundred, maybe it's a thousand, maybe it's 50,000. How do you train this? Or do you hire for it? So it's like, how do you instill this culture? Because that's really what it is. This is a culture. Uh, this is a belief system, an attitude system. How do you get that ingrained outside of you? So how do you ah, transfer this? Love, love, love this question. Yes, sometimes hiring a consultant does help because then you have somebody who isn't afraid to say the hard things, right? You have somebody who isn't having to like walk on eggshells or, you know, who doesn't know the whole background of, you know, what led things to be this way. Part of it is hiring for it. And it's so funny, like 
Sometimes I'll just look at job descriptions from big companies, either that I'm working with or just like for fun on LinkedIn. And it's so funny how many people will be hiring for customer facing roles. And the word customer never appears in the job description, like at all. And it might say revenue or profit or leads like a hundred times, right? It's an exaggeration, but sometimes it's like a dozen times and it doesn't say customer. And I believe that you can improve like 95% of job postings by adding the words to serve customers by, mm. and then just like whatever it said, right? Like, cause that is ultimately the job is to serve customers. And so Yes, training your recruiters and your HR team to ask questions about customer centricity as part of the interview process is important, but you have to set the standard. You have to have a model to say, this is who we are. This is what we believe in. And everyone on our team is like playing from the same playbook. And to do that, to infuse the DNA of your company and your unique story into a way that all of your team members love and can can embody is such a powerful thing. And like Chick-fil-A does a great job of this. And you know, everybody knows, you know, about Chick-fil-A's commitment to service. But what's really interesting, and this is actually something Macy said earlier today when she and I were talking, is like restaurants all over America right now are closing their dining rooms or they're changing their hours. Like two or three of the restaurants near me don't even open now till noon and they close at six because they're like, you know, yeah. we can't get staff, we can't find workers, or there's these signs saying starting pay $17 an hour. But Chick-fil-A doesn't have any problems with their staffers. And about two weeks ago, I was going through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru line, which like I do a lot. And I heard one of the girls say to another girl, those people at Taco Bell could never do what we do. (laughs) And the other girl was like, yeah, you're right. And so I, in the car was like, you're right. Like they couldn't. And they were both like so embarrassed. Like they definitely were not saying it for me to hear. And they were so embarrassed and apologizing. And I was like, no, own it. Like, They couldn't. And it's not just like, it's not a people problem. It's a process problem. And if you put a good person into a system with bad processes, the bad processes are going to win every single time. Those two same girls probably would not even be doing the same if they were the ones at Taco Bell because they haven't been trained. They haven't been told. It hasn't been ingrained into them that service is what you're selling not chicken sandwiches. So y'all need to write that down. Service (laughs) is what you're selling, right? That is so powerful and such a great reminder because I agree. It's like, I don't have like, there's no staffing issues at any Chick-fil-A that we live in Nashville. There's a lot of them. There's no issues. And it's like one of our favorite pizza joints. It's like, they don't even have an open dining room. Like to that point, it's like, it's yeah. And to that, it's like, it's interesting because we keep asking where are all the people? And it's like, well, is it a people problem or is it a process problem, right? That's a really good distinction. So, okay, last question. Back to this uh, one. I've, I've given you like ample time to like subconsciously <laughs> think about this. So a couple, one or two company examples that you think are doing this extraordinarily well that maybe people wouldn't recognize or know. I know a lot of people talk about Disney and they talk about like, like Ritz Carlton, but are there any like, you know, kind of undercover giants that are really doing a great job at this that we could look to for an example? Well, I'll give you one undercover giant and then I'll give you another uh, like under the radar one. So the undercover giant, I would say is Warby Parker. And I have been a Warby Parker super fan for years now. Neil, the founder and I did a bunch of stuff together for Forbes back in the day. And, you know, I just love their glasses. 
What I love most about Warby Parker now is you can get your eyes checked online. And it's so easy. You just take your phone and your laptop and it's, you feel like you're playing a video game and you get your prescription and it's amazing. And the reason that I know this is because the last time that I went to try to order glasses and my prescription was expired, it was expired by like two weeks. And I called the eye doctor and said, you know, can you like do me a solid? And she was like, no, you have to come back in. And I was eight months pregnant and it was during COVID, but like when you're pregnant, your vision can change. So I was like, can you please just like extend it? Like, I don't understand. And she was like, no, I can't. So anyway, like regardless of what you do, if you think people can't replicate it online, like they will figure it out. Like I literally got my eyes checked online and now it's like, I'll go in probably like once every five years to, you know, check for glaucoma or whatever you get, but like everything can be replicated digitally. And I know we're like just at the top of the hour, but the last one that I'll give you is a company called Armour and it's Armour Style, the URL armour.style. And it's like a clothing subscription service, similar to Rent the Runway, but what I love about them is that you can send them an email and say, Hey, I've got XYZ event coming up and a real person will style clothes for you. Like it's not an algorithm. It's a real person who will email back and forth with you, send you pictures, ask for ideas. And then you get your clothes. When you get your clothes in the mail, they're always tied up like very pretty package with like twine and paper. And then they make these like paper mache dresses, like not paper mache origami, like an origami dress folded out of like a real really cool decorated sheet of paper. And I always look forward to getting them because I've got a four-year-old who's always like having fun playing with like the little like origami dress, but it's just such a great personal touch. It's like everything rent the runway was like 10 years ago. And now armoire is like getting a bunch of market share. So never underestimate the power of a personal touch. Never underestimate the opportunity to connect your story with your customer's story by showing them what that what matters to them matters to you. Oh, this has been such an inspiring conversation. If not for anyone else, for me, I'm like this great reminder. <laughs> I hope for other people too. <laughs> I was like, clearly, if it's going to help me, it's going to help someone. But these are just such great reminders. And I think back to, you know, I said that as soon as you said, like, sir, remember what you're selling a service. It's like, yeah, like, don't forget, like, you got it, you got into this to serve people or whatever your business is. It's you're working with people. So whether it's a product or a service or whatever, it's like, don't forget the people, right? People over profits. I love this. This was so good. So just a couple of quick things for everyone who's listening. I want to make sure that you know where to connect with Brittany. And uh, as she mentioned, her book, Creating Super Fans, is coming out January 2023. So you got a while before it comes out, but that doesn't mean that you can't start getting content from Brittany right now. And she has put together a really cool mini course, a little video series for you guys. So if you want to go to brittanyhodak.com forward slash live, you can get access to that mini course. And of course, we'll put this link in the show notes. But again, that's brittanyhodak.com forward slash live. And then Brittany, if where would you say is like, if, do you have a preferred social site for people to go and find you? My preferred social site is whatever your preferred social site is. I always tell people you should be active on all of them. Yes. You want to be active on all of them because you never want somebody to be like, oh, I would love to follow her if, Um, except I'm not on TikTok. Well, I have a TikTok account, but I don't post anything because I'm like way too old as my kids like TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. But I do have, I do have my handle. So like you can send me a message. I don't even know if you can send messages on TikTok, but if you can, you can send me, you can send me a message there. Um, yeah, I know. I'm super old. But everywhere it's at Brittany Hodak.com. Yes. Or at Brittany Hodak. 
Yes, Love everywhere it. is at Brittany Hodak. And that video course you mentioned is totally free. So check it out. It's brittanyhodak.com forward slash live. It's a five day video course delivered via email and it's designed for everybody on your team. So if you're somebody listening right now and you're like, oh, I would love for my team to get a little bit more of this and think a little bit more about customers, just let them sign up for the course. It's totally free. It's five days of training. And there's not even like an upsell at the end. Like it's literally just like, I want you to care more about your customers and here's how. And then the upsell will come in January when I'm like, hey, so are you buying my book? (laughs) Because you should buy my book. Very good. Just infiltrate with value. And eventually people want, naturally want more. This has been so awesome. Thank you for being on the show. Everyone, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Influential Personal Brand. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. All right, y'all, this is my recap episode on the conversation that we just had with Brittany Hodak on creating amazing customer experience, not just service, but experience. So these are a couple of my key takeaways and just great reminders. And I love this so much because to me, it is universal and is for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a personal brand or a CEO or a frontline employee, or if you're in customer service or sales or whatever it is you're doing, this applies to you. So here are my highlights and this universal fashion when it comes to customer experience is one, I think I said this like five times in the interview, but I'm going to say it again here too, is that remember what you're selling is service. And I think that's so important. And it's so easy to get caught up in building systems and processes and building manuals and writing scripts and uh, you know, building project management systems and email campaigns and all this stuff. When at the end of the day, people just need to know that you care. And it's really hard to tell if someone cares in an email or a text. Right. And I'll be the first one to say it's like one of the number one things that we're trying to change at our company at Brain Builders Group right now is we are a call first company. Right now, if your preference is email, we will correspond in email, but we want to talk to you. Uh, we want to actually have a real conversation and a real, a real relationship of like, tell me where you are, what are you going through, how can we help? Not just fill out this survey and maybe someone will look at it one day. It's like, it's a call first culture. And a lot of that started from some work that our company did with Brittany in preparation for starting 2022. And we've basically said it's like, Our business has gotten too automated. So how do we re-infiltrate back that human connection? And again, it's like people don't remember all the things that happened. They may not remember what you said or what you did, but people do remember how you made them feel, right? And people care to know that you care about them. So remember what you're selling is service. And as long as you can make someone feel cared for and feel heard, that's a win right? It's, I would much rather win the relationship than win the sale. 
And that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. And it's going, sometimes I choose to lose the battle so that we can make progress in this overall war of, yeah, we're not going to be a fit for everyone. And we have to figure out like within parameters, what makes sense for the customer, right? And it's like, and how do we also not like go under and we can still pay our bills, but we do have to remember, it's like, we got in this to serve people just like you did. Whatever it is that you're selling, whatever it is that you're doing, it's like you got into this probably to help someone. And somewhere along the way, we forget how to put people first and how to keep people first. And so if we can just like one key takeaway is just remember what you're selling is service. I thought that was amazing. Such a good reminder for me. So hopefully it is for you too. The second thing that that was so impactful is this reminder that building a, a business, building a brand, which are the same thing, cannot happen in silos. And man, is it easy to get caught up in silos um, because communication and collaboration take a lot of work and emotional energy and physical energy and meetings and all the things, right? It's like, that's actually a lot of work to do that, to break down silos and go, no, like these are universal culture components that we share. And so how do we transfer culture from the personal brand or the owner or the entrepreneur or the department head down to every single person who touches anything that you do? It's that customer experience is universal. And I think her Nordic track example is so important of at some point along the way, the mission or the message, <laughs> what we do at Nordic Track got lost. And for someone who is actually delivering this piece of equipment into your home to go, man, I never see skinny people running on these. And I run outside and must have a fat husband. Like, wow, just imagine if you do have any staff people, it's like, are they sold? Are they bought into what you do as much as you are? And would they actually encourage you, like encourage your customers not to work with you and not to buy what you offer inadvertently by just not sharing this like culture of like, this is why this product exists. This is why this company started. Like this is the story. All right. And just back to that, it's like, there's gotta be a story. And I love that Taylor Swift example. It's like, I have to figure out how to get at least a million people to care about me. If I am ever going to want to sell a million records, right? We got to do the same thing as companies, right? It's like, we have to care about our customers in order for them to care about us. And so how are we doing that? And how do we create this culture at every single level and every department at every position? And there's a great upside for most of us who are running small businesses or building personal brands is we don't have to worry about the masses. We're not trying to infiltrate a thousand different people to get on board with our culture. We're dealing with one or five or 10 or maybe 20, right? And so there's a lot of power, but it still takes the same amount of work right? We have to transfer that emotion, transfer that mission, transfer the way that we want to have people treated and then have other people treat them the same way. So again, it's that customer experience is universal and that goes for your vendors too. So remember, it's like if they represent you, that counts for them too. So number one, remember what you're selling a service. Number two, customer experience is universal. And then the third thing, which I kind of led to a little bit is this concept of how do you get people to care about you? Well, number one, you care about them. Somewhat simple. So then ask yourself, and I don't have the answer for you for this. This is a rhetorical question I'm asking, but ask yourself, how do I care about my customers? 
how do I make sure that these people know that they're cared for? How do I, as a entrepreneur, a personal brand, a business owner, an executive, whatever, how do I show my customers that I care about them? And I think that's going to look really different. And I think you got to first ask with what does our, what do our customers want from us? And that may start with simply asking them. Because I think everyone values uh, different types of service differently. Like I know for me, like one of my personal core values when it comes to working with other companies is responsiveness. Like even with my own team, it's like I hold responsiveness like above the bar in terms of importance. Like to me, it's like if you are responsive to me, I'm important to you. And if you are not, I am not. And so when it takes other companies and vendors and suppliers days or weeks to get back to me, I'm like, I'm not important to you. So I might as well start looking because somebody else can will prioritize me. I just have to go find who they are. So may not be that for you. So what it is, what is it for your customers, right? And then you got to figure out what it is. And then how do you put protocols in place, guidelines to allow for that to happen, whatever it is in your culture and your company and your environment. So again, just ask yourself, it's like, how do we let our customers know that we care about them? And not just our customers, but our prospective customers as well. So again, if you didn't listen to it, go listen to the entire episode. It was so good. Go check out her video course, brittanyhodak.com forward slash live. It's a free five video video course. Go check it out and get inundated with how to create super fans out of your customers. We'll see you next time on the Influential Personal Brand. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 